Hello, we're Equinor. As a global energy leader, we're working hard to reduce methane emissions and our carbon footprint. Good morning. I'm James Holman from The Washington Post, and this is The Daily 202 for Thursday, January 23rd. In today's news, evidence mounts that China is underreporting deaths from the coronavirus outbreak. The International Court of Justice gives the Rohingyas a glimmer of hope. And the Trump administration moves to restrict people from flying with emotional support animals. But first, the big idea. House Democrats charged with prosecuting the impeachment case against President Trump scaled back their fiery language yesterday following that scolding from Chief Justice John Roberts as they began laying out their case for Trump's removal from office for pressuring Ukraine to help him win re-election. But as Democrats softened their tone, if not their message, Trump and his fellow Republicans dialed up their partisan rhetoric, with GOP senators largely ignoring the chief justice's admonition and leveling scathing attacks against the trial's prosecutors. Democrats also appeared to shut down talk of a deal to secure testimony from former National Security Advisor John Bolton by offering to trade testimony from the son of Joe Biden, who was the focus of Trump's alleged pressure campaign on Kyiv. The former vice president said at a rally in Iowa that he will refuse to be a party to any such arrangement. The Republican barrage was led by Trump himself, who in Davos, Switzerland, called the top House managers sleazebags while denouncing his impeachment as a hoax and disgrace. As he flew back to Washington aboard Air Force One, Trump stirred up a veritable Twitter storm as he tweeted and retweeted messages about impeachment, particularly from Republican defenders. By the end of last night, Trump had tweeted 142 times, the most tweets of any day in his presidency. That posturing provided a sharp contrast to the Democratic House managers, who struck a chastened tone in the Senate chamber. Saying that the Democrats had adrenaline going through our veins, House Intelligence Committee Chairman Adam Schiff began opening arguments on Wednesday afternoon by expressing gratitude for the attentiveness of the senators. And House Judiciary Committee Chairman Jerry Nadler whose accusations the day before that GOP senators were engaging in, quote, treacherous behavior, truly incensed Republicans, made sure not just to thank Roberts, but also to thank the GOP lawmakers for their, quote, temperate listening and patience. They took this new tack because they realized that some moderates were planning to cite their tone as an excuse to vote against calling witnesses. Lisa Murkowski from Alaska, for example, said that she was very offended by Nadler accusing Republicans of treachery. At a news conference in Davos, Trump said he can live either way with the Senate's decision about whether to call witnesses at his trial, but he argued that testimony by Bolton could pose national security concerns, and he complained that Bolton left the administration on bad terms, perhaps because he fired him. Trump then said that he doesn't like anyone ever testifying at a trial when they don't leave his employee on good terms. Democrats seized on another portion of the news conference, though, when Trump praised his legal team and then bragged, quote, honestly, We have all the material. They don't have any of the material. Val Demings, a Democratic congresswoman from Florida, one of the House impeachment managers, said that comment provided more proof of obstruction of Congress, one of the two articles of impeachment. And indeed, the Trump administration has stonewalled and refused to comply with subpoenas from the House. Even on the first day of opening arguments, the seats of many Republican senators and a handful of Democrats 
were empty as Schiff wrapped up his remarks. Some members were standing against the back wall to stretch their legs, but others stayed out of the chamber for an extended period of time, even though the rules call for all 100 senators, like jurors at any trial, to sit in their seats for the entire time. Arguments continue today. And that's the big idea. Here are three other headlines that should be on your radar. Number one, a full-scale travel ban has now gone into effect for the Chinese city of Wuhan as authorities try to stop the spread of the deadly coronavirus. All outbound trains and bus service from the city of 11 million, larger than any city in the United States, was suspended starting at 10 a.m. Thursday, causing mass chaos for some of the 400 million people hitting the road for the Lunar New Year holiday there, which officially begins tomorrow. Imagine all major cities shutting down right before Christmas, for example. Armed police guarded the entrance of Wuhan's biggest railway station and forcibly blocked people from trying to get on the last trains out. Chinese health officials said they've ascertained that the virus started in an unsanitary food market that was selling wild and exotic animals for consumption. Snakes. Snakes were the most likely cause of the virus. The Chinese government's quarantine is spreading today. The nearby cities of Wangang and Etsu announced that they will shut down all their travel networks, including the roads as well. This means some 20 million people are now confined. For context, that's more people than live in the entire state of New York, not just the city. As more families describe pneumonia-like deaths in Wuhan with all the symptoms of coronavirus, American medical professionals are increasingly worried that the Chinese government's death count is far too low. After playing down the prospects of the pneumonia-like virus being transmitted between humans for weeks, Chinese authorities now admit that the infection of people who have never been to that market at the epicenter of the outbreak shows that it is being passed among people. Number two, the United Nations top court ruled today that Myanmar must implement emergency measures to protect the Rohingya Muslims against violence and that they must preserve evidence of possible genocide. The decision from the International Court of Justice on a request filed by Gambia represented the first reckoning against Myanmar's military and its civilian government, run by Nobel laureate Aung San Suu Kyi, more than two years after the beleaguered Muslim minority was driven out to neighboring Bangladesh amid charges of indiscriminate killing, torture, and rape. Thursday's ruling is the first step in a legal process that's likely to run for years. The UN didn't make a final determination of whether Myanmar could be found responsible for genocide among the most severe crimes under international law. Those charges have been resoundingly rejected by Myanmar authorities, who maintain that they were responding to an insurgency by Rohingya Muslim radicals and that they didn't have any premeditated intention against the group. Yet, it does mean that Myanmar must now cease destroying evidence of genocide, which makes it more likely that a court could find proof of this crime further down the road, and they do have to take immediate steps legally now to protect the minority living within its borders. Separate international proceedings, including at the International Criminal Court, are ongoing against Myanmar. Most of all, though, today's UN ruling sends a strong signal of hope to the more than 700,000 Rohingya Muslims who have been living in squalid refugee camps in Bangladesh for over two years. They were driven out. And there are still hundreds of thousands of Rohingya inside Myanmar, living without citizenship rights or freedom of movement. Number three. The Trump Transportation Department unveiled new regulations last night 
so that airlines will no longer be required to accommodate travelers who want to fly with emotional support animals such as pigs, cats, and rabbits. The proposed rules, years in the making, narrow the definition of service animal to dogs that have received individualized training to do work or perform tasks for a person with a certified disability. The number of emotional support animals traveling aboard commercial flights spiked from 480,000 in 2016 to 750,000 in 2017. The proliferation of animals aboard aircraft has led to conflict and sometimes injury. But because federal law doesn't address the issue of emotional support animals, airlines have had little recourse except to accommodate them because they're terrified of getting sued under the Americans with Disabilities Act. Airlines, their industry groups, and even the flight attendants union praised these new draft rules. Sarah Nelson, the president of the Association for Flight Attendants, said many of her members have been hurt or bit by untrained animals running loose in cabins and that it's becoming obnoxious as more and more passengers dubiously claim pets being necessary for psychological support, which she says makes the flying experience less enjoyable for everyone else aboard the plane. Transportation Secretary Elaine Chow, Mitch McConnell's wife, says that the proposed rule doesn't prohibit people from flying with emotional support animals, but that the decision is now left with the airlines themselves. Under the proposed rule, an airline will still be prohibited from refusing to transport an animal based solely on its breed, but they'll now be able to refuse to transport any animal that exhibits aggressive behavior, and airlines will get to define what aggressive behavior means. And that's The Daily 202 for Thursday, January 23rd. Thanks for listening. I'm James Hellman. If you want to get more news about the impeachment process, you can subscribe to a podcast feed from The Washington Post with all our updates in one place, including the latest from The Daily 202's Big Idea, Can He Do That?, and Post Reports. Find it at WashingtonPost.com slash podcasts. 